Bet365 sponsors the Red Agenda, the Liverpool Football Club podcast brought to you by The Athletic and they feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sport. Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets including first, last or anytime goal scorers and with over 45 million members it's the world's favourite online betting company. And with the Bet365 Bet Builder you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more and create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live, well, Bet365's Match Live feature is definitely something to have a look at. You can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365, it's the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Welcome along. Really looking forward to uh, today's Red Agenda. We're just three games in and Liverpool have already sent out the message that they're as irresistible as ever. So are they simply in a league of their own or is it just too early to make that call? Let's find out what our experts think. Uh, James Pierce, Simon Hughes as always. And it's not just Jürgen that makes the big signings. Big welcome to our new addition to the team at The Athletic covering Liverpool Kiva O'Neill. We'll find out a little bit more about Kiva later in the pod. Let's dive straight in uh, with the 3-1 win against Arsenal. Si, what, what sort of statement does this make, if any? Well, I mean, I, I think it was the most convincing performance, certainly by Liverpool, since since lockdown, really. Um, and probably the best performance of, of, of any, any team in the Premier League at the start of this season. You know, they just played like um like you'd expect them to play in front of a full house at Anfield, you know, in terms of the level of conviction with everything they did, you know, just in terms of the the passing, the the pressing, you know, the, the obviously the, I suppose what was lacking a little bit was the finishing at times. You know, it could have been a, a heavier scoreline. I know a few people have sort of said, well, Arsenal you know, they, they, they put up a better fight than they have done in previous years. And I, I would go along with that. But Liverpool still had, you know, missed, missed a couple of chances that you'd expect them to score. So, yeah, but aside from that, I just thought they were fabulous last night. It was um, it was a real reminder of what Liverpool can do. And I'm sure any of the teams who are thinking that they might be able to challenge Liverpool this season will be... We'll we'll be we'll be wondering, you know, what what lies in store over the next next co- com- well the coming weeks and months because they were just brilliant. I mean, I I really really enjoyed that performance. James, I I think they're already asking the question to other top teams and saying, can you live with our style of football throughout the course of this season? Yeah, that I thought that was a, a massive statement last night because um you know you could pick holes in that the opening weekend win over Leeds with the goals Liverpool gave away. You could you could even point to the. The win at Chelsea is saying, well, of course they had a they had a helping hand with the numerical advantage for for so long. But you know, they, I thought there was a, a ridiculous golfing class last night. And let's not forget that this is a a resurgent Arsenal. You know, they'd won their first two games. They'd had a fantastic end to last season, uh, winning the FA Cup. They'd you know they'd beaten Liverpool in the two previous meetings. I thought you know there was talk about Arteta having almost done a bit of a job on Klopp tactically with you know how how much they'd limited Liverpool. Um, to, to, to you know, to very few chances, and, and managed to force mistakes out of them, both at the Emirates and at Wembley for that Community Shield. But um, yeah, the I mean, the intensity Liverpool hit them with was just unbelievable. I thought, you know, it was it was ridiculous that they only went into half time two one up because you know I think they'd had a good seventy odd percent of the ball, and Arsenal had barely got out of their own you know 
10 yards in front of their own penalty box, let alone their own half. I think, you know, they only touched the board in Liverpool's box twice in the whole of the first half. And, and one of those was obviously the absolute gift for, for Lacazette from, uh, from Andy Robertson's mistake. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, I thought that was just Liverpool at their irresistible best in, in all departments. I don't, you know, you could, you know, I was, when I was writing the piece late last night, it was difficult to, to try and pinpoint a man of the match performance because I thought there was, you know, it was, that was just, you know, a, a supremely gifted team, you know, working incredibly hard for each other and, and functioning well in, in absolutely every department. I, th- I thought 2-1 at half-time was um, a little bit favourable for Arsenal, to be honest. I thought Liverpool should be much more ahead than that, Kiva. The, the first half was sensational at times. The high press, the ability to start the the attacks and the, the long-range passing from Virgil van Dijk. There were so many different elements. Liverpool seemed to almost pick up from where they left off at Stamford Bridge in that second half. It felt like almost, you know, a performance just similar to that. Um, they were completely awesome. To think Arsenal did come to Anfield with a little bit behind them, you know, they beat Liverpool in the past couple of games. They had, you know, a little bit of something. But I think what epitomises this Liverpool team under Jurgen Klopp is how quickly get that equaliser. I think it was 147 seconds, which is just, you know, in that time, you don't even worry that the equaliser needs to come because you just know it's coming. And I think that's the, you know, the most exciting team about. Uh, but the most exciting thing about watching this Liverpool team is that you just almost know that Andy Robertson's made the mistake, but you could feel that, you know, as soon as he made that mistake, I thought he's going to get on the score sheet tonight or, you know, he's going to deliver a crack and ball for someone and, you know, he's, he's going to make up for it. And he did. And, you know, I think he was speaking after the game that, you know, years ago he said maybe he would have, you know, dropped his head after making a mistake like that and, you know, and the game would have got away from him. But, it doesn't because, you know, the mentality Jürgen Klopp and the, the coaching staff and everyone involved with Liverpool is instilled is completely priceless. And, um, you know, I think Arsenal must have, you know, gone in a half-time really happy that they, they weren't um, further afield there because, you know, I think Liverpool, as Simon mentioned at the beginning, the finishing precision wasn't quite there. But then, you know, someone comes onto the pitch like Diego Jota and, you know, his finishing seemed all right, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, you've absolutely nailed it on the mindset front. And, you know, it's it's something that, you know, we could talk about more now. This this element of that they believe in their hearts, in their minds, that they must win. They've got that natural ability to bounce back. And when you saw Andy Robertson make his mistakes, I, I mean, it didn't take him long to make amends for that. He he had, he was working double time, wasn't he, to make sure that he kept, he bounced back from that. Yeah, well, I remember a few seasons ago, I don't think it was, was it two seasons ago, that uh, Arsenal scored certainly against a runner player Anfield in a in a you know front of a full house and Liverpool replied almost instantly and, and scored and then ran away with the results and it, it sort of reminded me of that I mean in some ways it shouldn't come as a surprise that Liverpool have done that because they, they they've done it on on quite a few occasions really uh, certainly against Arsenal but yeah I mean I I always think with Liverpool you watch the first sort of couple of minutes and you can just tell what sort of a performance it's going to be in, in some ways. I remember Virgil van Dijk must have knocked about sort of three or four 30 yard, 40 yard passes across the pitch, which hit the mark straight away. And I was just thinking, you know, when van Dijk's doing that, like it must be pretty demoralising for the opponents that he's just making that skill look so easy. And Liverpool are launching attacks from that. And then of course, I mean, Sadio Mane bashes into Kieran Tini in the first 
first couple of minutes, it seemed like he really wanted to um, to lay down a bit of a marker because obviously, you know, we spoke to Yogo Jota's come in and his most natural position is in is in Mane's area. And it just reeks of, of Mane saying, look, I'm not going to be uh, giving up this this too easily. And you could see later on when when he got taken off, he wasn't happy. And that's the sort of personality he is. But I just thought from, from minute one, really, that, that Liverpool were... Were just crisper, obviously more aggressive in everything they, they did. Arsenal sort of they had the plan, but it, it felt like a lot of that was based around the hope that Liverpool might not be quite on the game as well. Which, you know, you you know you, you can't you can't get get have some success against Liverpool if Liverpool players aren't quite at the peak level. But when they're on the when they're right on it, I just think it's almost impossible to stop them. Particularly the the front three. I mean, it, it really visualised it last night the way Arsenal were trying to play out from the back. And you know the front three, they're like you know they're, they're like velociraptors, aren't they? They like sort of come in at you from the side and try and take the ball off you. And there's a high risk attached to that. I can understand why Arsenal were were maybe trying to trying to get some success out of that because I think when you entice the team and you can knock it over the top, which is what they did for the goal. But you know there's only so many things that you can do to stop Liverpool, and I think it just proved that last night they were just just horrible to play against. You'd you'd hate to play against Liverpool if. If you're an opponent, it's just uh, when 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 they're really on it, they just must be an absolute nightmare. Mane James, he's he's almost got the sign over Arsenal. We know that with with the stats that preceded the game, um, the direct nature of his play, absolutely awe inspiring at times. He he missed a chance, didn't he, to to give Liverpool a goal, and then of course made up for it by slotting home at fairly close range. But he's someone that on the night he could have had he could have had more than one goal. Yeah, he, he could easily have walked away. With the match ball, couldn't he? I thought he was. I thought he was sensational. Um, I thought he he caused Bellerin, uh, you know, a load of problems. And and similar on the other flank, I thought, um, you know, Salah did a really good job in terms of um, isolating Tierney at times. And obviously that was that was key to the the equaliser with him getting the the wrong side of of Tierney and forcing the save that uh, that Mane tucked away. But um, yeah, I, I think it just as I said, I think it just shows as well the benefit of having that real supreme competition for places now the fact that you know those players know that they have to keep on delivering with 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 the players that are waiting in the wings if if they're not absolutely bang on it and um yeah that was the most satisfying thing for me that you know that that kind of show of controlled aggression that you know it was it was almost a front four really for most of that first half with Cater so far advanced I thought I thought he was I thought he really played his part as well Cater I think that's the first time he's started five Premier League games in a row for Liverpool. I think you can see how much he's now settling into, you know, I think we, we saw you know, his tactical intelligence as well in terms of knowing when to press and when not to. Um, and that was that was the big thing for me because, you know, when you think back to the, the Community Shield, when Arsenal scored against Liverpool, they, they beat the press relatively easily um, and switched play and Aubameyang scored that fantastic goal whilst, you know, last night they were... They were just penned in and repeatedly coughed up possession time after time because um, you know Liverpool was so good and so disciplined in terms of blocking those passing lanes and ensuring there wasn't a way out for them. Going to talk a little bit later in the pod specifically about Andy Robertson's role within the side, uh, what it takes to play under Klopp. James has had a one-on-one chat with him, so we'll do that later on. But but Liverpool's second goalkeeper was a was a thing of beauty. Between the two fullbacks, I suppose it's something to be expected, isn't it? 
Yeah, their ingenuity is just, you know, unbelievable, isn't it? I think I saw some, maybe it might have been an Arsenal fan's tweet and they wrote as if Liverpool have just scored from passing from one fullback to the other. And, you know, I think that just sums up this Liverpool team and how Arsenal almost didn't let Liverpool play through the middle as much as Liverpool may have wanted to. You know, there was, they were quite blocked off there, but then they played to what is Liverpool's probably greatest attack and strength almost, and that's, you know, getting the ball on the wings and, and crossing it or moving it in field. And I mentioned, didn't I, about Andy Robertson just being there. Like, you, you knew he was going to do something something special after that mistake. Trent Alexander-Arnold looked up for it from, I mean, similar to Mane, who started the game in an angry fashion. I felt like Alexander-Arnold was really up for it as well and yeah I don't think he's looked quite like that for a while every ball he played in looked like it was going to just land where it needed to land and you know I mean Liverpool are just unbelievable the fullbacks have changed the game haven't they for them really I could watch that all day especially just the the love them to have for each other as well there's that battle as well that they want to you know beat each other in assists but the fact that you know after Robertson um, scored the goal which Alexander-Arnold assisted then you could see Alexander-Arnold having a go I think he had a couple of shots didn't he thinking I want to level it up here on the goal ratio so I just love that sort of you know the two of the best fullbacks in the world they're in competition with each other almost to be the best but it's yeah it's driving Liverpool on into you know places that are just unbelievable really. Kiwi, you've called it a love between the two of them. And you presume, don't you, that off the field, that they're pretty close. You can imagine the bit of banter in the dressing room afterwards last night. Oh, I've got an assist. Well, I got a goal out of it. Um, I think that's probably, it's sort of self-fulfilling. It, it's why it works. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, I think the close relationship of them two definitely has helped Liverpool. You know, they've got on from... You know, as soon as Robertson joined the team, it was around about the time Alexander-Arnold was sort of pushing through as well. They seemed to, like, become, you know, Liverpool's first-choice fullbacks in a similar sort of time frame. And, you know, I think they've just, you know, really enjoyed each other's company off the pitch as well. And I know we're going to speak a little bit about James's piece with Robertson, but the thing that stood out for me was, you know, the, the fact that they stay behind after training and practice um, crossing the ball, where, you know, you get strikers practicing free kicks and... Uh, penalties and them two are like should we should we stay behind for an hour and work on our cross and you know we're, we're two of the best crosses in the world and this is how they stay at that top level they're just they're pushing each other to to new heights and you know it's, it's really exciting to watch okay this is the red agenda on the athletic and right now we're offering you the opportunity to subscribe to the athletic for just a pound a month you can access all the great writing on Liverpool and much more, uh, including that recent interview with Andy Robson that Kiva just mentioned. Uh, Andy spending some time with James, watching his own performances, analysing his play and discussing how he's developed. Now, this offer is only running for a limited time. So head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod and sign up. That's theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod and pay just a pound a month. Hello and welcome to the latest podcast from The Athletic. The next big thing. You know, there's nothing better than, I don't think as a fan, to see a lad coming on for his debut. And I love the way they can't even fill the shirt properly. It's an absolutely stunning goal! This season, we'll be drawing on the knowledge of our incredible football writers to give you the ultimate briefing on the stars of tomorrow. You know, people always question, you know, what, what is the plan for these young players? Our experts know these players better than anyone else. That's the thing with him. I mean, when he, he made his debut with the first team, I, I sort of said to him before the game, I have no worry about you. You know, I just, I know 
uh, how confident you are in your own ability, but he hasn't got that overconfidence. It all starts on September the 28th with a full profile of Liverpool's Billy Cometio. Footballers now are getting so much criticism from all sections of society. They can't deal with it from the players they're meant to be playing with. They haven't got much of a chance, really. From what I hear, you know, he's, he's got a big personality and somebody who really believes in himself. That's the next big thing, the latest podcast from The Athletic. So many subplots to the game at Anfield. Uh, Liverpool's 3-1 win over uh, Arsenal. Diogo Jota was one of those, Si. Comes on on the 80th minute. Has a great chance, which he wastes immediately. Then gets involved in a mix-up with Salah. I don't know whether Salah was just being greedy, but that's, that's what you expect, isn't it, from him? That's part of his um, his character. But he still keeps his head and then scores a great volley. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was he touched on it after the game, didn't he? It was a bit of a surreal moment because with no crowd inside Anfield... I, I thought he, he looked almost surprised when it went in the back of the net, you know, like sort of turn around and muted celebrations. I'm sure if um, there was a full full house, people, you know, that the reaction would have, it would have just been a great night, wouldn't it? And he would have obviously let himself go a little bit more. I think a lot of players are doing that at the moment, aren't they? You're not quite seeing the same celebrations that you've seen before. But I mean, the, the encouraging thing was that the, I thought it was a big call by Klopp actually to, to put him on at that time, because obviously with the scores, 2-1, Mane, you could argue, was was probably Liverpool's biggest threat. I mean, I thought I thought Rob Holding actually did quite a good job against him. That's not to say he stopped him, but you know it's very difficult to to stop Mane entirely. But you could tell there was a good duel going on between them, and he I thought I thought Holding actually did quite quite well. But within the reality that that Mane was was tending to get sort of the better of him most of the time, so to to bring him on. Um, with the game sort of finally poised as it was. I, th- I thought it was a big call by Klopp and you could see from Mane's reaction that he wasn't entirely happy about the decision, which, you know, I, I think is always a good sign. I think he, he, he never seems that happy when he's in the in the context of a football pitch, does he, Mane? Which I think it sort of reflects the way he is as a footballer. But um, yeah, Jota, you know, to, to, to miss a chance and then have what happens with Salah, which, you know, what I think Gary Neville described it is, you know, this is one of these in, ter- you know, in, in vogue terms, isn't it? At the moment, it's not a good look, but, you know, Salah was, you know, everybody says it all the time, don't they? But I mean, for me, you know, I, I'd rather Salah be keen and de- he's just, he's, he's a keen footballer who's desperate to sort of play a part in the big moments, isn't he? And Salah clearly wanted to finish them off. I mean, I, I sort of actually could understand why Salah wanted to take that shot on because he was facing the goal whereas Jota was sort of coming it from a, a side, you know, sort of a side on a little bit. So it can sort of maybe understand his mindset a little bit there. But yeah, I mean, to, to finish off and, and secure the win, it's, it's a big moment for him. And I think, you know, the most impressive thing about him was that, that despite one or two like sort of moments where you, you miss a big chance, he was still shown for the ball, he was still going to press. And I think really it, it, his introduction sort of finished finished Arsenal off a little bit because of his injection of... Um, of energy, you know, I think Arsenal looked a bit bedraggled by the end, really, and uh, just just shows really just just what you want. You know, you want somebody who's going to be able to come on and affect the game. And I mean, we discussed it last week, but I, I was just, I was I was surprised when Liverpool signed him because you know, obviously, he wasn't really mentioned as a Liverpool target before. But again, one of those signings that you just think it just makes sense. Really, he seems to have that sort of personality, doesn't he? You know, you could see the way he was talking afterwards. He, he's just got that little bit of edge to him and and he, he plays that way as well. So I'm sure he'll score many more goals for Liverpool. I like the way you rephrase my interpretation of uh, of greedy as keen. A keen <laughs> it's, it's, good, it's good to be greedy, isn't it, as a striker? 
Yeah, well, that, you know, I think Salah, the great thing about Salah is it doesn't look like he's he's satisfied ever, does he? I mean, he's won more or less everything there is, there is to win at Liverpool. And he, I think now the next aim from his personal point of view is to to establish himself as, as one of the, if not the, you know, best attacking footballer on the planet. But the good thing is he's got Mane who seems determined to get to that level as well. So... You know, I think despite what everything Liverpool have achieved, it doesn't seem like that their appetite to go and to go and win things and, and become better players has diminished. It seems to have increased. I mean, Salah, Salah in the first three games, I just think his threat levels have been off the scale. Really, every time he touches the ball, that that pass that he put through to Jota, he must have been absolutely gutted that he missed it because it just reminds as well that he's not just a not not just contributing goals. He contributes a lot of assists. I think he was second or third, wasn't he, last season in terms of the goals to assists ratio across the league and he's just I just think he's he's now that, that that first season when he scored all the goals for Liverpool you could still see there was still some sort of rough edges but I think those edges have been smoothed quite a bit over the last couple of years and in possession of the ball you know he's he's you know he's there's an element of grace coming into the way he plays the game now he's just so confident and never seems like he's trying to rush things he's playing the game at his own pace which you know, it's just it's just brilliant to watch because you, you love to see, you know I think people sort of were, were expecting you know a big a big decline you know after having won so much and and achieve and achieve so much personally but it just seems like they're just more fires up than ever to to go on and yeah I mean it it would be pretty worrying if you Manchester City Arsenal United uh, Chelsea or, or dare I say it's Everton we'll talk about that. That challenge or lack of it in a moment or two. Um, just pre-match, James, Jordan Henderson we knew was out injured and there was a bit of a question mark over Thiago and Alisson at the time. Obviously, Alisson ended up starting the game, which is great. Both had missed some some training sessions. What is there any understanding on, on Thiago and why he was missing or perhaps how long it will be for him? Yeah, Klopp, Klopp described it as a, as a minor fitness issue. He said he didn't expect him to, um, to be back in time for... For Villa on Sunday, I don't think he he would have he wouldn't have featured against Arsenal in the Carabao Cup on Thursday night anyway. So, um, but Klopp said that at the moment the he, he expects him to be fit for that that Merseyside derby after the uh, the upcoming international break. Right. Okay. And Allison himself, it, it was nothing to him. It didn't look last night there was an issue with him, James. No, no. I thought he was. I think you know there was there were really promising signs. I thought in the game at Chelsea that he was. Back to his his commanding best, and and I thought he built on that against uh, against Arsenal. It was one of those classic kind of Allison performances where, you know, a spectator for absolutely you know long chunks of the of the evening. Yet when he's called upon, um, so alert. Um, you know, I thought it was he's just so good, isn't he, at at, at reading the game and and coming off his line to 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 close down angles and almost make the goal. Like it's shrinking, I think, for the for the striker that's trying to find a way past him, and that was a, you know, it was a big save from from Lacazette. And I know I know Klopp obviously didn't take too kindly to overhearing on the mic before he did his Sky interview that uh, Roy Keane had described Liverpool as sloppy on occasions. But um, you know, the the reality is there were you know there were there were a couple of moments obviously when you know uh, Liverpool were in, indebted to their goalkeeper. But um, I, I just think also the way that Liverpool play is such a brave, bold. Style and when you when you operate him with such a high line and you're trying to force the play into such a short area of the field, um, you know there, there's risks there attached. So you know you're bound to give away the occasional chance. But 
um, you know, having the best goalkeeper in world football as the as the last line of defence is uh, is a pretty pretty useful uh, safety net. You mentioned that TV interview that that line goes down in folklore, doesn't it? Did I hear you right, Mister? Did I hear you right, Mister Keane? It's absolutely fantastic, isn't it? Uh, I think it'll be picked up on for years to come. Well done, Jurgen. It's the red agenda on the athletic. Wouldn't it be great if every clothing store you shopped at had only your size, the styles you like, and everything at a price you want? Well, Stitch Fix is a company focused on just that. It's an online personal styling company that makes getting the clothes you love simple. Completely different to the way uh, you shop. It's all about you. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk slash athletic, set up your profile, and they'll deliver great looks personalised just for yourself. You pay £10 as a styling fee for each fix. That's credited towards anything you keep, schedule at any time, and there's no subscription. Delivery and returns are completely free and easy, so you can always send back items that aren't right for you. Get started today with Stitch Fix. Head to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic right now. Let's talk about the the title and um, the challenge that, that could be posed throughout the course of the season. It was baffling, Kiva, that Liverpool didn't start the season as favourites with the bookies. All the evidence was there from the last campaign. But now we've seen, after three matches, the momentum is still going. And I would find it crazy for anyone to say that, that City are going to be the champions this year. But what do you feel personally? Before the season began, I was convinced Liverpool were going to win the title again. And, you know, not a lot of people had that view, I know, but, um, you know, maybe a little bit biased of me. But, you know, I just feel that Liverpool were going to produce performances like we've seen in these past three games. And they have. And I feel like what's so good about this is that Liverpool, for me, have probably had the hardest three games in the fact that Leeds, you know, were always going to be frothing at the mouth to get to Anfield, you know, 16, 16 years it's been, hasn't it? So they were, I feel like that was one of the games that was I've seen in the past few months that was played like as though the crowd was almost there, like the passion in the in the stadium was sort of, you know, like a crowd was in there. You don't, you, you don't really get that without fans. Um, but in that game, I felt like it was present, which, you know, you, you thought that was always going to happen. And then I do feel like the Chelsea game was a tricky one just because obviously Liverpool just, you know, ended up, you know, performing in the way we we hoped they would. But um, I think with the signage Chelsea had made, there was still that little bit of a question like, oh, could they pose a, you know, a title challenge? Um, I don't think they've sorted the defence out enough to to do that. But um you know, with I think Timo Werner going there and stuff like that, we know Liverpool liked him, and it just felt like could he have a day? And there was sort of that question mark. Liverpool answered that question, and then obviously Arsenal beat them twice in the past couple of months, so that felt a little bit like you know. So I feel like they've had a, a tough start to the season, but you know they've they've absolutely bossed it. Um, and I think you know the pressure was always going to be on City this season, especially that they were. You know, a lot of people had them down as favourites, and you know what we saw at um, at the Etihad on Sunday was was very interesting. Um, obviously, Leicester just completely Jamie Vardy masterclass, wasn't it? Um, and I just it's so early in the season, similar to last season. I think it was eight points, wasn't it, from eight games they were behind. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if if this season ends in a similar fashion. If Liverpool can keep up these performances, and you know, soon after the arrival of Thiago, I think you know, people, people, you know, that forty-five minute display from him, I think you know, everyone was thinking, oh God, this is this is could be Liverpool's year again. And 
obviously Leicester are there or thereabouts and Everton have, you know, are doing really well as well. But, you know, it is just three games, so we, we can't get too much ahead of ourselves. But I do feel these teams will drop off and um I think that the first time Liverpool face Man City will be sort of the it could be the you know the real defining moment of the season because it felt like last season as soon as Liverpool took those three points, um, it sort of just took the wind out of Man City's sails, and and that was that. Well, I wonder whether that defeat to Leicester's done just that already. It is early in the season, obviously, but Simon, what do we read into the the struggles against Leicester and perhaps the mood around the Etihad? The thing that I think about quite a lot is is the fact that you know Man City have been behind Liverpool for so long now, haven't they? You know, you think about the start of last season. Liverpool were top of the league from pretty much week one um, and, and never gave up that position. And then, you know, they're already six points ahead of them again. So um, it's it's a long way back. I feel Psychologically, I just wonder how City are dealing with that. You know, because Liverpool are obviously the team to beat. They've been behind Liverpool for such a long period of time, haven't been chased by them across, you know, the season before that. Um and they haven't really, I mean, I, I was quite surprised by some of the predictions that, you know, that the City, you know, on the BBC would 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 win the title, mainly because, you know, they've lost David Silva, who's one of the great Premier League players. I know they replaced him with, with um, Ferran Torres, who, who is still unproven in the Premier League. But, you know, they, they haven't really um, found solutions to the problems that they've had, you know, defensively. I'm not too sure whether the holding role in midfield, they, they've got the player there that they need. You know, Fernandinho's 35. Rodri hasn't really put his stamp on the team yet. So I know they're, they're signing um, the lad from Benfica, aren't they? Ruben Diaz. Ruben Diaz, Diaz but he, he's still, um, you know, he's obviously untested in the Premier League. So... Yeah, it's, it's it's a tricky one for them, I think, because uh, I think it's a long way back for them already. Just psychologically, I just think when, when you've been behind a team for such a long period of time, you know, it, it must be pretty daunting task for them. So it's it's a, it's a big task for, for uh, Guardiola to get them into that mindset that they can't just catch Liverpool, but overhaul them as well. Um, I, think, I think the two full-backs, I've, I've long thought that they've obviously spent a lot of money in the full-back positions that... that I'm not too sure whether they have, they've got the physique to put to play in the Premier League, but I just think, you know, that they, they, they both gave away penalties, didn't they, against Leicester? And I think it just absent mindedness at the back. It was just, you know, obviously applied a bit of pressure and, and, it, you know, that the penalties were just as, as clear as, as you're going to see, aren't they? So, yeah, it's, it's, um, going to be interesting for Man City because I think, I think Guardiola is under a fair amount of pressure after the way, after the way they, they finished the Champions League campaign as well. And everybody knows it's his last season, I think, you know, in terms of his contract. So I think that this season, it's it's set up for the way it is without crowds. I, I think there could be, you know, a surprise challenger if there is a challenger to Liverpool because of the way the game is and how, how differently the games are panning out. I, I think it, it could be the season where you see a team like Everton, you know, or... Or Leicester, you know, come and have a bit of a proper go at it because, um, you know, they're, 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 I actually think it could be an advantage for these teams sometimes that they, that they can, you know, play without the pressure of the home expectation and the weight of history behind them, particularly a club like Everton, haven't won anything for such a long period of time. You know, the, the, the players are going to be able to play with a lot more freedom, I think, particularly in the home match. And that's why I'm so looking forward to the game at Goodison. It's a shame, obviously, that the crowd's not going to be there, but it's going to be a real test for both teams, I think. Um, it'd be great to, if, obviously, going into that game, the two major like clubs are first and seconds because, uh, you know, we haven't seen
haven't seen that for, for a long period of time, have we? It's only a few weeks away, isn't it? The first um, Merseyside derby. Everton, James, realistic contenders. Someone who's going to what to win the win the league. Put a, a a problem in Liverpool's way on their on their path. I think I think in a one-off game, yeah, yeah. yeah I think you know, but not not over the course of the entire season. I I don't think it's I don't think it's realistic to. So who who is James? Well, I, I I still think it's so early on, isn't it? I think you'd have to say so far that you know before ball was kicked, we all thought City and probably Chelsea with the amount of money they'd spent um, would be the the two biggest threats. But you know, we also said that it's it's going to take something pretty remarkable to bridge what was a, a massive massive gap last season. And I think the best hope for though for anyone trying to get close to Liverpool was. Were Liverpool going to take it down a notch? Were they? Was a bit of complacency going to creep in? Was a a bit of you know a, a, was the hunger not going to be at the same level as it was before? Um, you know, were they not going to build from a position of strength in the transfer market? And of course, that went out the window in the the space of twenty four hours with those deals for Thiago and and Jota. Yeah, let's just get a quick thought from from Kiva on that Merseyside derby because it's it's not too far off, and of course the. The city starts talking about it intensely um, over the next couple of weeks. It's it's interesting Everton's revival. What, what what do you make of it? I mean, this city's better off with two great football teams, isn't it, Kiva? Yeah, I think so. Um, I do think they've had quite easy sort of opening games, you know, and the way they've gone. I think um, obviously Tottenham. You know, I mean, that was a bit of a shocking performance from them. I weren't expecting them to be as bad as they were, but you know, Everton were great in that game. Um, I think they were always going to have a good start to the season on the back of sort of the end of last season and just sort of, you know, Carlo Ancelotti's got them got them pl- sort of playing better now. You know, he come in in December. It's a, it's a long time to have with the team, particularly, you know, a lot of it's spent on the training ground. Um, and then I think they played, was it West Brom and that red card sort of finished them off. Um, and then the Palace game, I think, you know, the penalty decision obviously went against Palace and, you know, you can't take away the performances. They are, they have been brilliant, and James Rodriguez is you know world class ability, and he he just seems to you know have taken to the league like a duck to water, doesn't he? And um, but whether they're going to mount a serious challenge on Liverpool is you know it's just so far off to see. I feel like you know we got to Boxing Day, didn't we? And Liverpool finished off Leicester's hopes of anything. It almost um, curtailed the the hopes of the Champions League which we didn't see them but you know they they failed to make that didn't they so you know they might get to Christmas and then it all might unravel um but you know I think that that Goodison derby it'd be brilliant with fans wouldn't it that I mean you know I remember growing up and and the derbies round about maybe say Arteta and Kale were in the side and you know there was there was red cards every game they were just you know so spicy weren't they but you know now (laughs) It's it you know it feels like that's sort of coming back and I always think that's good you know you want that that heated rivalry um you know you you saw it with Man City and Man United a, a few seasons ago when United was sort of you know trying to to come back to to their former glory but I feel like it's always better to have you know the competition within within you know, the postcode isn't it I think um you know it's definitely re-energizes things and you know. And when when and if Liverpool beat Everton, it, it'll almost mean more because it'll sort of, you know, knock them off the the, the pedestal a little bit. 
Okay, time to tell you a little bit about our sponsors, Harry's. Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who were sick and tired of overpriced razors. And now they've released their sharpest ever blades and added a new lubricating strip for an even closer, more comfortable shave. The best part, they've not raised the prices. So replacement blades are as little as £1.75. Amazing quality blades, now almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Uh, Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. And as a listener, you can start shaving with Harry's today, claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast, get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel, and travel blade cover. Head to harrys.com forward slash the red agenda. That's harrys.com forward slash the red agenda. Let's turn to the exclusive interview that James has done with Andy Robertson. You caught up with the man himself who took you through what it takes to uh, to play in his position for Jurgen Klopp. How tough is it to work for Jurgen Klopp in that position, James? Uh, yeah, I think, I think I deduced from our chat it's incredibly physically demanding but also you know immensely rewarding I think you know Andy Robertson said that you know the thing that he absolutely loves about that role that he's got in this all-conquering team is that there is no kind of respite he's always involved because you know when when Liverpool have have the ball he you know he has to be that attacking outlet down the down the left flank and when they don't have it it's about hairing back and and ensuring that your positional play is right and you're tracking runners and, and making tackles and, and winning possession back. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it, actually, about 30, 40 minutes discussing the different kind of facets of his role. And I suppose one of the big things I took was just the, the sheer amount of homework that, that goes into it mm. and hard graft, both, you know, not just in on the training ground, but also in the in the video analysis room at Anfield, because, um, you know, it's, it's it, as he said, you know, so much of his job is about decision making in the in the heat of battle because um you know it's it's not just a case of herring forward whenever he fancies it you know he talked about how you always have to check that the cover is there and that there's a midfielder there ready to drop in and and fill that space if you if you do get forward and then and then also I think you know he he said himself that he feels that one of the biggest improvements he's made to his game over the course of his Liverpool career so far is that composure in in big moments, you know, being able to to pick the right ball, whether it's you know hitting what what he described as the the corridor of uncertainty in behind the back line, or or cutting the ball back to to what to Mane or Salah or Firmino, um, and I think you know that that's why his his numbers assist wise have been so ridiculously good the past two and a bit seasons. James, do you, do you sense that he sort of thrives on the expectation of playing for Liverpool now? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, I've just I've no. I think you can see just a, a massive difference in him, kind of personality-wise as well. I think you know. I think when he first came in, as as happens to a lot of footballers when they come to Liverpool, you know, they they can't quite get their head around the the size of the institution they've joined and the pressure and expectation takes a bit of getting used to. And I think for him especially, I think you know the the, the shift in terms of what was expected of him and the style and um you know there was you know you know it's hard to believe now really that he did play second fiddle to Alberto Moreno for a number of months before he actually got his opportunity i think at that december time of his first season when uh, when Moreno got injured but i think you know he, he's just grown and grown in stature hasn't he and you know i i don't think you'd swap him for for another left back in european football because 
he is just the absolute perfect fit for the way that the Klopp wants Liverpool to operate. And um, yeah, just you know, fascinating listening to him talk about you know the understanding he's built up with Sadio Mane. You know, the, the two of them have played a huge amount of football together down that that left hand side. And and as we touched upon earlier, you know the um, the way in which him and Trent kind of uh, really spur each other on to to ever greater heights. Some brilliant tactical um, analysis which you've been through, so people can read up on that if they head to the Athletic and and look for the article. Really fascinating from um, a Premier League player himself, just just talking through what's expected, relationships on the pitch, all sorts of stuff, taking corners. Really, really interesting, fantastic article. Uh, let's move from there to um, to the EFL Cup and and squad depth. We already saw the death last week in a 7-2 scoreline at Lincoln Sai. Uh, a lot to admire in that game, including a relentless Curtis Jones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's not short of confidence, is he? Um, I mean, uh, I just love everything about him, to be honest. I think it might not be that long before he, he's playing a lot more games for Liverpool. I mean, he's uh, he just offers something that, that is different to the midfield, uh, to what the other midfielders offer at the moment. I think... It's not question marks. It's just a, a, a you know a, a development that probably needs to happen in terms of him going backwards a little bit more. It doesn't. It doesn't seem like he has to do that much at the moment because when he does play, you know, Liverpool are constantly on the front foot. It tends to be against sort of a weaker standard of opposition. But I think once once that comes into his game a little bit more, I think he'll be really pushing the the, the midfield places um, because the places are up for grabs in that area of the pitch. I think Klopp sort of proven that over the number of years now where he, he sort of rotated the midfield quite a lot throughout the course of the season. So one area of the pitch that does get a fair amount of rotation. So I think he'll play a fair amount of Premier League football this season. But he you know he was just a class above all the other well certainly the opposition on on th- last Thursday night. And what what I love about him is that whenever he does play, he does something. You know, there's always something you take away from the game and think, oh, bloody hell, you know, he, he's he's really made his mark there. You know, you even thinking back to last year, I'm sure he'll play against Arsenal again, came on against Arsenal as far as I was concerned in that 5-5 draw he changed the dynamic of the game that night he um, really upped the, the pace at which Liverpool passed the ball and and got in Arsenal's you know got, got in the sort of Arsenal uh, the, the, the defence's face a lot you know and he, he's just uh, he, he does things he, he he makes his mark on the pitch and that, that that's what that's what you want to see from young players. You don't want to see players who are sort of prepared to be passive in, in what they do. He, he wants to go and make things happen and I think he's got a really bright f- future in the game. I mean, he's he's still, I think I'm right in saying he's still a teenager as well. And he, he certainly doesn't hold himself like that, the way he's got that balance. Um, and I think that, I think those few people have questions, oh, you, you know, bringing Thiago in, how, how is that going to impact on him? I, I think f- from his point of view, he should be looking at that thinking, I can learn an awful lot from this player. And, and, and it's not really going to curtail his progress because he, he's more of an attacking midfielder, Curtis Jones, where I think Thiago will play a bit of slightly more, uh, slightly deeper role in midfield. So he's got, he's got a very bright future and I, I can't wait to see, to see more of him. Yeah, his development's going to be brilliant, isn't it? So Arsenal again uh, this week in the next round of the Cup, Kiva, and another good opportunity to see some of those those talents who are trying to make a mark. Maybe Reese Williams has, has played himself in. Who, who are you looking forward to, uh, to checking out? Obviously, Curtis Jones is going to be one to watch again. Harvey Elliott, as always, I think he's a really exciting young player, isn't he? And any chance you sort of get to get to watch him is, is you know, always a good thing. I remember um, when they played in the FA Cup, I took my mum against Everton and she sort of said, you know, she doesn't always know who the players are. And she said, who's that kid? And that sort of made me think, you know, 
he's going to be special, <laughs> special player for me, mum, to say, you know, what's his name, what's he about? Um, I think more of Simacast as well, because obviously I think Tiago and Jota have now sort of, you know, laid down a marker as what they're going to bring to the team. And I think, you know, we speak about how incredible Andy Robertson is, but we've got this other left back there who, you know, c- could go on to maybe eclipse him. That's the, that'd be the hope. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think he'd probably do that with how good Robertson is, but you know, he'll be personally determined to, to get in the team. And I think, you know, these, these kind of games offer him that opportunity, don't they, to, um, you know, to prove himself and to show what he's about. Um, and I think it's always good. I'm, I'm a big fan of Minamino. I think, you know, it's going to be hard for him to, to break into that attack and set up, especially with the likes of Jota coming in now. But, you know, I, th- I think it, it'll be another good opportunity to, to watch him in, in full flow um, against Arsenal. So, you know, so I, I think these games are always exciting. Hopefully Liverpool can get through and, you know, um, you just it's it's another opportunity, isn't it, to see to see more of these players that you you won't always get to see. And you know, for I think the past few seasons, Liverpool probably haven't gone as far as they should have in these competitions. And you know, that's okay because they won the Champions League and the Premier League. And sometimes you do feel like it is a little bit on the back burner, but it's almost not as well because it is Klopp sort of you know he even gives Pep Linders his sort of chance in the spotlight as well, doesn't he? And you know, it it sort of you know it it gives a lot of people a lot of opportunity and I think you know as far as Liverpool can go in in the League Cup and the FA Cup's great for you know players like Curtis Jones who Simon mentioned there might might struggle for for minutes he might be coming on towards the end of games and stuff like that but you know what an exciting talent he is I think he sort of reminds me of how when Alexander-Arnold come into the team there were there were question marks about his age and, you know, whether he would be able to and a couple of mistakes, I think, against United and people, you know, are so quick to quick to play down these players and then, you know, what a career he's gone to gone on to have. But um, Curtis Jones has almost had, I know it's a different position, but he's almost had better cameos, hasn't he, you know, when he has featured. So, I mean, it, it's just such an exciting time for Liverpool and for these younger players coming through. Uh, Kiva, great stuff. Thank you very much indeed. If you want to head onto the site now, you can find out a little bit more about Kiva's history and how she's ended up at The Athletic covering uh, Liverpool. She's alongside Simon and James covering off all the big stories and exclusives uh, this season. Thanks to the guys. And the Red Agenda returns in a week's time. (laughs) 